All right. Welcome to the Remarketing Podcast. My name is Jerome Lewis. I am your host for today. And I want to tell you a little bit about how our structure works. Our content works like this. We teach around, we talk about marketing, tech, business, and leadership. And we are for real estate agents, real estate investors, and real estate entrepreneurs. The purpose of our podcast is twofold. Number one, Connor, who is our guest today, our purpose is to spotlight you, your business, your service, or your product in a way that provides value to you, including market exposure and content creation. Number two, to educate and inform our audience and our listeners. All right, that being said, I'm gonna introduce our speaker. So today we have Connor Steinbrook. Connor Steinbrook is a full-time real estate entrepreneur. He works both sides of the business as a real estate agent and a real estate investor. Connor is also a real estate mentor and real estate coach. He is also one of my real estate mentors and real estate coaches. Connor is the founder of Investor Army, which is the number one residential real estate investing YouTube channel in Texas. Connor is also the founder of Wolfpack Revenue Share Organization starting in 2018, which is one of the fastest growing teams at eXp Realty with over 1,800 agents worldwide. Connor, welcome to the show. What's going on, man? Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> Absolutely, Connor. So uh, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you some questions. We're going to do an interview format. It's going to be very like um, low. It's, it's going to be a, we're going to have a conversational tone. We're going to have a conversation around you, your business, and that's what we're going to present to our guest today. So I want to start off with some questions. I want to first, I'm going to ask you some questions around your business, and then I'm going to ask you a couple of personal questions. And then later on, we're going to get to what I like to call the closing table, and we're going to close out the interview. All right. So let's do it. Let's get started. So I'm going to stop my screen share so the audience can see both of us, and let's go. Okay. So. The first question I want to have for you, Connor, is, let's see. First question I have is around business. And that question is, what is one thing, what's one thing your business, what's one thing you want, I apologize. So what's the biggest challenge you're facing in your role in your business right now? And how are you tackling it? <clears throat> uh, time management. I think it's probably most people's biggest issue. Um, and it's just creating more systems and hiring people that I can uh, delegate and uh, push stuff off on, I guess, to bring in more employees, more virtual assistants, uh, train agents better in our organization, you know, train the people that I work with a little bit better to be more efficient, uh, increase systems. So this is what a lot of people don't understand. You know, they, there's that four hour work week uh, book or whatever it was written by Tim Ferriss, which is an illusion for really entrepreneurs, if you really think about it. So it's trying to teach people that you know, the principles in the book are sound. I, I like the ideas of using virtual assistants and, and doing the things he talks about for systemization, but it, it paints a picture of uh, a false reality of how really business and entrepreneurs actually work. So let's say you had a hundred hour work week and you were able to systematize it down to four hours. What do you think you're going to do as an entrepreneur? Just sit there and not fill up that other 96 hours of work. And so it's always a battle of <clears throat> systems, leveraging time, how to increase your time. And social media is one of the best ways to do this because things like video marketing, let's, for example, talk about this in comparison to like door knocking or direct mail. You can't door knock 24 hours a day, but you can put enough content on the internet that you can build up an aggregate of enough videos that you have more than 24 hours of videos being watched today. So one of the best things to do in order to increase time or to compress time is to leverage yourself through video marketing and internet marketing that's out there 24 seven around the clock, uh, using your time to create marketing that's out there evergreen, and then letting people come across that and react with their time towards the one time unit that you traded to create it. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. That <laughs> absolutely makes sense. And one of the things that you said about, and I used to say this, like when I first got started in the, I, I came across that book as well, the uh, four hour work week, and I read it and everybody was like so hype about it. And it's, it's great content, but it does paint that false perception about you're going to have this four hour work week. It doesn't work that way. It takes consistency. You got to work hard. It's not going to be easy. You got to you work smart when you're working hard, but it's not as simple as people made it seem. So I really appreciate that. And I think that's one of the reasons why we connect is because uh, we just have a realistic understanding about how certain things should be. You want to get things done in that book. It's a good concept, but it's not as simple as it seems. You're not going to just right. four hours, <clears throat> not working for four hours. So um, next and I wanna, next question. And I, yeah, let me let me Go add on it. there because I, I want people to understand. You know that come across this. You know, young entrepreneurs because what what creates burnout, what creates frustration, what creates entitlement, uh, and these stresses in business is because we assume that we should be there farther along and be where we're at faster. And when we're not, when the reality is our bank account or success is where it's at, but we believe we should be farther, it creates a gap in what we believe should be happening, what's actually happening, and that creates a lack of control and frustration and anxiety. And so I just want you young entrepreneurs to know this, there ain't a single person in this world that I know that has a million dollar income business that did it in four hours a week. Like the, the lowest I know any serious entrepreneur that's really making big money it's built big businesses. It's like a minimum of 60 hours a week. Like that's part, that's like average. A lot of them are working 80, 90, hundred plus hours a week. Now you don't have to do this to build a, a successful business, but to build one of these high performance businesses that you guys are watching these people on the internet, it's not four hours a week. You're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to get obsessed and you're going to have to pay your dues and go through a sacrificial window where you're putting a lot of time in and things may or may not be going the way that you want. And this could be years. And that's what I want a lot of you young entrepreneurs to understand that it's not the way that a lot of these people selling courses and books make you perceive it is. It's a lot of work and a lot of effort, but you can get there guaranteedly if you never quit. So it's going to be longer, more money, more time, more stress, more headaches. But if you never stop, it's almost guaranteed that you pull off a successful business over time. Is what I Thank say. you. I, I appreciate that. And I, the, the next question I have is, it's a little tricky because you do like multiple things and you have multiple businesses, but I think it's relevant to what we just said. And it's around like myths. So the question is like, what's a common myth about your field of expertise? What do you hear? So you do, you're a real estate agent, investor, marketer, you do several things. What's a common myth that you hear often? Yeah, I mean, it's very, very rare that I see anybody build successful multiple streams of income, meaning super successful businesses in different industries. Now, yes, you're going to say, I know all these big people that have all their, their hands in all these different industries. They bought into businesses like you see a Shark Tank and Marcus Limonis, if that makes sense. They're not actually starting businesses from the ground up. Very few people start you know, a successful ma uh, massive income producing insurance business, real estate business, restaurant business, network marketing business. So the problem I see with a lot of people struggling to grow multiple streams of income, which is something that's a necessity to be successful long-term and create wealth, is they're trying to do these multiple streams of income in different industries and in different arenas in the world. Whereas the most successful people have multiple streams of income, but all around one world, one industry. So for example, I'm in real estate. I'm a real estate investor. I'm a real estate agent. I sell real estate courses. I have a real estate YouTube channel. Everything's centrally located around multiple streams of income around one industry and one set of information that piggybacks off each other because your brain can't move in too many directions all at one time. And I see all these different individuals and even on social media, they've got 17 businesses are trying to start simultaneously in all these different industries. For one, you're telling everybody around you looking in, 
you're not caring about or serious about one of the businesses or all those different businesses you're trying. So nobody's ever going to want to work with you and commit to working with you. And you're never going to become an expert at one thing because you're going to be a jack of all trade master of none. So the first thing is find an industry, uh, you know, whichever it is, pick one income stream in that industry and get in it, become an expert at it. And then as you do this, as time grows, doors, as time uh, trans uh, kind of moves into the future, doors will open alongside that one income stream, you'll have other opportunities. For example, like what you're doing right now, Adrian, you know, with your marketing and, you know, the book and everything, this is a secondary attach, attachment to your original real estate investing business, if that makes sense. It led you to this door being opened, but you probably didn't think about this when you started your investing business and, and, you're, and going into real estate, it just naturally happens. So pick one industry, focus on becoming an expert on one strategy within that industry. And as doors open up, you'll know how to naturally expand into those doors. Yeah. And you nailed it. I was going to bring that up. I was like, I was thinking about like, cause I do multiple things. I have skills around marketing, around tech. Uh, I'm from different backgrounds, careers, and I just bring them all to this specific industry, which is real estate. And like you're saying, like I see people doing multiple things. I'm a photographer over here. I'm a cook. I'm also in insurance. And I'm like, well, I'm confused. So I can't imagine if somebody that's not as serious as me might think about your business. So I appreciate that. And I always, it always helps to have a conversation with you about, you know, staying in the path and staying focused. Like you don't have to stay like specifically a real estate agent, like you want, you can start there and then you can go do some investing. Then you could go do sell some courses and do other stuff around that particular industry and you'll have better success that way. So I appreciate yep. you saying that and acknowledging that. So yeah. Yep. Uh, and next and question and I have for, let me just elaborate there just a little sec, uh, one second. So that you can create multiple streams of income in different industries. You're just never going to hit like the highest level of high performance. You always have what's called okay. opportunity cost, a highest and best use of your time. So the problem is if you're trying to spread your time across too many different industries, that's, you know, think about how much you have to learn to be successful in real estate. Well, they mm -hmm. take another skill set like insurance or starting a brick and mortar business like a restaurant or some type of product business. It's just that much more information, that many more working parts, that much more risk, that many more liabilities. So yeah, sometimes people do this, but it's not the best way to do this. Stay in your own lane, stay in the same industry, and you're going to get to where you're going a lot faster with a lot less effort and a lot less stress and a lot less losses of income for sure. <clears throat> so one of, one of my most prof important professional mentors in my real estate career has been you. So I have a question for you. And that question is, who has been your most important professional mentor? And if yeah, it's, if it's be... not just one, name multiple, just want to hear your perspective. <laughs> <on that>. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, that's going to be all of them. Um, well, mm -hmm. let me say all of them in my mind. So <laughs> let me tell you who they are. So I didn't just have one. So like when I started out originally, um, I, I didn't, I ran out of money and I want a hundred grand debt. Some of you guys know my story if you follow my channel. And so the only thing I could do is go on the internet and watch YouTube videos. And what, what I realized was I was paying all this money for high-end consulting companies, these big rip-off gurus. But when I came on the internet, YouTube had some incredible coaches and people that were giving me more information for free than what I'd have to pay for. And so what happened to me was my story as I was a top online poker player, the, that career disappeared in 2011. If you guys know what happened with Black Friday and that industry got shut down, I didn't know what to do. I struggled for years and I decided to go into real estate investing. And it was a very tough time. I was 100 grand debt. And it, it was I was in a really savage depression, a deep, dark place that I, I really was scared that I was never going to get out of. 
and I came across Napoleon Hill, some of his old um, black and white recordings on the internet. I think it's this uh, 17 Laws of Success. And I'm like, this guy's saying some pretty interesting stuff here. He's making me realize that my thoughts create my reality and not my reality around me and my environment and my circumstances creating my thinking, which is the big question that you guys have to ask yourself. Do your thoughts create your future or does your environment around you create your thinking? Meaning what's happening with the pandemic, politics, all this stuff, right? Do we control our future or is our future controlled by things around us? And it impressed upon me that I could change my future by changing my thoughts today. And so I started going down a heavy path of self-development. I followed, you know, Napoleon Hill, Earl Nightingale, Jim Rohn, uh, you know, God bless Bob Proctor, who passed away just here recently, a week or two ago, Bob Proctor, Les Brown, um, you know, people like John Maxwell and Brian Tracy. I don't know if I mentioned him yet. Um, you know, a lot of the old thought leaders and then the modern day generation, I started following, you know, the Ed Milets and Patrick Bet Davids and, you know, people in the industries are building similar business models like I have now. And then I just had a local number of local mentors in the investing business that helped me. Uh, individuals like uh, Tim Cook with the West DFW REI Club here took me under his wing. Steve Labus here with Elvis Spice Houses. These are some of my mentors personally that helped me directly in my business doing some deals. And then the overall thought leaders that I really followed a lot were those ones I gave you guys. Uh, and those were the ones I followed. And I went down and I also read, you know, hundreds of books. And I hate reading, I hate doing this type of stuff, but I want to have a better life. And so if you guys are watching this, the more that you know, the more that you're going to grow. And the more that you put through your mind, think about it as like more repetitions at the gym, you're going to get stronger, you're going to get better. And eventually you get strong enough to build a successful business. But those are some of the people I followed Jerome that helped me a lot. Okay, one thing you mentioned was like, mm -hmm. he was like, you hate reading. And I, I think a lot of people hate reading. I, fortunately, yeah. I'm not one of those people I do like reading. But um, there's like a constant debate and I want to get your perspective on like reading. So in your perspective, if somebody hates reading or they want to avoid, avoid reading, do you think it's possible to uh, get ahead, not just minimally, like, but get ahead like a lot mm -hmm. without reading? Yeah, 100%. So okay, here's kind of my take on all this self-development because I was like one of the big proponents like I mean I like I went down the rabbit hole and read hundreds of books listened to a billion podcasts found everything and anything traveled around the country to, to mastermind events and conferences and things like that so the number one thing when it comes to education I think that's a problem right now is that people are now becoming addicted to and putting statistics up like a scoreboard of the amount of education they have and how many books they read and not how many deals they do so the first thing is if you guys are listening to this and you're not having success in business you're over educating if you're doing this and it's not about what you know, it's about how you implement what you know, and are you even implementing it and how fast are you implementing it? So the first thing is accumulate knowledge, but implement it and implement it quickly. Other than that, you know, because if you don't implement what you're learning, there's no, re no reason to learn this. Now, the reason why I don't like reading is not because I don't like reading and don't like gaining knowledge and wisdom. I'm a high paced person. I like to walk fast, talk fast, read fast, write fast, move fast, try to get to my goals fast. And if I have to slow down when I'm moving as fast as I do from task to task, it's very difficult for me. Now, in the beginning of my business, I had no skill sets and I was trying to figure and I wanted to change my life. So I, you know, reclused in my room and read these books until I had the skill sets enough to go out there and start implementing. And so you have, you can learn through two, two different ways, knowledge and wisdom and then street justice, right? So knowledge and wisdom is learning from previous mistakes made by others, what they put in a book, what they say in a podcast, what I'm talking about right now, this is your learning from previous experiences of mine in my life to hopefully help you avoid them. Now, the problem is 
you're going to have to learn through street justice too, which is you can only learn so much from a book and from a podcast. Once you get out in the field, it's completely different. It's in the game. So there's practice field on, and then there's Sunday where you put the helmet on. It's a combination of both. So you're trying to use knowledge and street justice and wisdom that you're gaining from others just to build enough self-esteem, enough confidence and enough faith that you can go out there and take a risk to attempt some of the things that you've been learning so that you go out there and get a result a win or a loss, and you can adjust off that. And that's learning from experience. So it's a combination of both. Now, I have some incredibly successful people that I know, never read a book, don't understand self-development, don't do any of it. All they do is they, 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 they have aggressive work ethics and they, and they just work all day, every day, and they know where they're going and they just started a business and they figured it out by trial and error. Now that's the longer path. And it's the more frustrating path and the more stressful path. You can shortcut your path by learning ahead of time and because you only make the mistakes once. So for example, like let's say an investor, if I tell you do not pay a contractor up front, don't give $10,000 to them up front, you'll probably never see it again or you'll have to fight to get it back. Guess what happens? That person's still probably gonna go do it, but they're only gonna do it once because when that person steals from them or it goes bad, they're gonna go, oh, that's what he was talking about. So now they reinforce a third party said it, their personal experience felt it. Now in the future, they probably won't do it again. Hopefully not. Whereas if you did this in the first place where you're doing it only on the street justice, meaning your experience in the game, what if I gave 10 grand to that same contractor, they steal from me, what do I do in my mind? I didn't have a third party wisdom coming in from third party to reinforce my, my experience. So I'm going to say, well, maybe it's just I've, I ran into a criminal. There was a bad person, not what I was doing, if that makes sense. So now I do it again. I give five grand to another contractor and they steal it from me. Oh my gosh, maybe I'm just running into the wrong type of people, right? And so you may make this mistake two, three, four times before you see it as a, as a, a pattern and see it as what you're doing and not who you're doing it with, if that makes sense. So the goal is to learn first so you make mistakes one time, not three or four or five times to figure it out how to not make that mistake on your own again. So I know that's kind of a long answer, but that's the biggest difference. No, you don't need to uh, do it through self-development, reading books. You can do it through podcasts, all different sources of information. You need to get the information. But if you get it ahead of time, when you make the mistakes, you'll make them a fewer, fewer times and you'll get there faster than if you have to make them numerous times to figure out what you're doing is wrong on your own. Thank you. I, I have uh, you. I, I like your story about like when you you play poker and I heard it several times. Do you have that mm. like somewhere recorded on YouTube where you tell it like straight up or is it you just push it out in segments when you're doing? Yeah, yeah. So you guys could probably go. I, <clears throat> I went into it in a little bit different way. Just a couple of days ago, I did a Cliff Freeman okay. uh, podcast. So you guys probably know who Cliff Freeman is or Cliff uh, his, his son, Cliff Freeman, the third C3. <clears throat> they do a, a, a dual podcast. So Cliff Freeman's, you know, one of the top uh, leaders at EXP um, in, in the company, big name in our, our market, a lot of respect for him. Uh, you can probably go on his Facebook uh, account and you can probably see me tell my story in that interview I did with him just a couple of days ago. It should be live on their Facebook. But um, I tell it out there. It's like, I mean, on most of the podcasts, uh, probably half of them, they start out okay. by asking my story. And so I, I tell okay. that. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll go grab that link and uh, we'll get it in the show notes because I think that's a great story. And I like to hear it, not because of where you were, but because of what you become from that and you've learned like yeah. lessons. And that kind of takes me to the next question is like during that time, like your story, when you hit that, like, like rock bottom, like what's a lesson that you learned from that, that you think everyone should kind of learn or pick up on? Yeah. So the, the one thing is, 
the way that we perceive information coming in, the way we adjust off of it is never what we actually think it is to be. So like when my, so kind of like quickly, I'll tell my story. So I went off to college in 2003. I put $20 in a poker site for fun, ran it into a small fortune and did that professionally for eight years. That career disappeared on April 15, 2011. They shut down the websites, didn't know what I was going to do, went broke, had to move back home with my parents, struggle, had to get a job working for minimum wage while I was teaching myself to build websites, living in my parents' house. And then I built my YouTube channels. And that's kind of how we got here is what it was what Jerome's bringing up here. But um, so some of the lessons I learned along that was when I was in that two or three year window of deep, dark depression, and and you know, everything was going wrong. It's because I given my power up to change my future situation, and I gave it to external events. And this is the number one reason people struggle in business or in relationships, is they're blaming external things, they're blaming things that they can't control. They're blaming God, they're blaming the government, they're blaming, you know, their parents, they're blaming the where they grew up, they're blaming the industry they're in, they're blaming the brokerage that they're at, they're blaming, you know, the bird outside, because the sky is gray today and not blue, like whatever it is, they're looking for something externally to say, that's the bad guy. That's why I'm not getting to where I'm getting to. And that's what I did. I blamed anything and everything around me. But when you have external things around you where you've convinced yourself, that's the real reason you're not succeeding and not it's not that it's your fault, but something else's fault or someone else's fault, you're giving up control to change because everything around you has to change and it's never going to change. So you put yourself in a moment of helplessness and, and lack of control. And when we don't feel control and we don't have, and we feel helpless, it creates depression, anxiety, and those feelings that we never want to feel vibrating in our body. So that was the first thing was I took complete blame in on my own. So instead of blaming the poker sites, I blame myself because yeah, the poker sites disappeared and yeah, the government shut them down. But if I had invested the money that I made instead of spent it traveling and having fun and on diamond jewelry and cars and parties and all this stuff trying to be cool in college, I would have had been financially free at 25. So I started shifting to blame myself for even things that were not my fault. So that was the first thing, bringing self-control because now if it's my problem, I have the control to fix it if that's one. That's one thing I did. Second thing was I realized that, you know, I am a Christian. So like, I believe that someone's watching me and that I would really take problems hard in my business early on. Like a lot of people do like an HVAC would go out or a title or, you know, a deal would fall through or a partner would steal from me and it would mess me up mentally. And I get all frustrated and I'd, I'd, you know, be all upset about it. So what I realized was, you know, think about like some, you know, going to the gym, if you had a kid or, or son, and he could only lift 135 pounds, would you put 315 pounds on the bench press? And the answer is, of course not, right? Because we don't want to hurt our kid or kill our kid, right? Now, <clears throat> I look at that the way our problems are. So if you're struggling right now where you're at right now doing a few, few deals a year or have a small team right now, and you're, and you're not handling it with business maturity and honor and, and doing it correctly, why would the person that's in control of giving you bigger problems or giving you a bigger and better life, or why would the world ever give it to you if you can't handle what you can't lift today. So if you can only lift 135 pounds in your business, why ask for 315 pounds on the bench press if it's in your business, if that makes sense, you could never lift it. But the way that you get there is you handle the problem that you have today, meaning you do it with dignity, you do it with honor, and you look at the way that you handle this as an opportunity to show that you deserve bigger problems tomorrow. So you can get stronger over time. But when you sit there and play poor me and look at problems as problems and not opportunities and blessings, you're never going to understand how to get stronger. And so when I have problems come out now, I say this is an opportunity for me to de demonstrate my value and my net and my worth to solve this problem is, is, is in a way that 
I'm going to prove that I deserve to have bigger problems. Now, as the bigger problems come up, come up, they're going to be equal to and resistance of the smaller problems. So now let's say you can lift 225 pounds. Well, when you're maxing out at 225, does it not feel the exact way when you're maxing out at 135? but you're stronger now, but the feeling of resistance on that last rep is the same. So you guys all understand you build your body on the back end of resistance and the back end of multiple repetitions. We build our mindset the same way. And so one of the things is uh, if you guys are playing poor me and always whining and always complaining, if something is what, you know, someone's watching you from above, why would you ever be promoted if that makes sense? So start thinking about how you handle yourself today. That's, that's another thing that really helped me get out of that. And then the self-development and, and, and a lot of what we did, I've, you know, just taught me a lot of lessons about time management and correct thinking and conscious, unconscious mind body connection, things like that. Thanks. One, one thing I appreciate about you is that you give stories and you give details. So I really <laughs> appreciate that. And that, that I got like, we probably have about four questions left total. And one of the questions that I want to ask you is around productivity, but I want to share like one time when you came to Philadelphia, you know, to support and help. And you were talking, we, we had the little real estate meetup, you were talking about how to like digest information like a different way. And I thought, it, I'm talking about like listening to videos at like two times the speed. And I was like, oh my God, I already do that. And it was, I was like amazed and I was blew back. So could you, the question that I normally ask for people is like, what's your favorite productivity hack? But I don't want to know what your favorite is. I want you to talk about that productivity hack and just give some details, maybe tell some stories around that. Because I remember you shared a statistic about how we, when we process information at that speed, we retain more information faster. And, you know, so I just want to hear you talk. Yeah, about I mean, that. so, I mean, think about it like this, like, let's say you could clone yourself right now. We just clone another Connor Steinberg or take, you know, Jerome or whoever, just yourself, clone yourself. And you starting today, they literally are equal to you in every way. Now, what's the difference maker? So if skill sets, IQ, every single thing, let's say we could have a science experiment held constant, but one variable is different, which is speed of implementation, who's going to get to their goals faster. So if Jerome's, you know, jogging and I'm walking and we're going to try to, you know, show up at a destination a mile ahead of us, if Jerome's jogging and I'm walking, who gets there first? Okay. Now if Jerome is jogging and John Smith is sprinting who's going to get there first, or he's going at a quicker pace, right? So start thinking of how do I do the things that I'm already doing now faster than the people that I'm competing against in the marketplace. So if you read, uh, so if you read faster, you write faster, you type faster, you listen to things like audible on 2.0, you do that faster. You, you, um, you know, you talk fast, right? Right. You're, you're, you're moving with intent and you're going in and out of places. Like I'll sprint out of like I'm not sprinting, but I'm trotting a lot of times out of, uh, you know, Home Depots and things like this. I'm actually moving with quick pace. So if everything's held the same, but the pace of what you're doing things is faster because you built these skill sets, you're going to get to where you're going faster because all day long, all you do is read. You're reading text messages. You're reading things on TV. You're reading social media posts. You're reading emails. You're reading billboards. Most people don't think about it. You spend a lot of your day reading. So if you learn to read faster, you have more time than other people that read slower than you even though you may not be as intelligent as them. If you read faster, you can read more information, process more information faster. Type fast, right? We're always typing emails. We're always typing Facebook messengers. We're always typing content, doing our marketing, right? So these things we're doing all day long, every day, even though you don't think about it. So the one thing to how to increase your time management is to go faster and to do things quicker that you're doing a lot of in your business. Second thing is you need to do what's called time compression activities. So what we're trying to do is compress time doing two or three things at one time, multitasking, two for ones, or we call them two fours or three for ones. And so like, for example, 
you're driving around. What do most people do? They listen to the radio. Don't listen to anything. Why don't you listen to something from Jim Rohn or Bob Proctor or Les Brown? Gain a skill set while you're spending that time to drive somewhere. That's one activity. Two for one, meaning you're doing some type of educational system or making a phone call to a client. Uh, another place that you can do two for ones is at a gym, right? So when I'm on the treadmill or when I'm working out, I'm not listening to, to death metal or hardcore, you know, music trying to get pumped up. I'm listening to an audiobook. I'm listening to education. You know, a little bit here later today, I'm going to go out to the lake. So I have a little lake. One of the one of my hobbies is I grew up fishing all the time with my dad. So I, I, I like to fish. So there's a lake around here. I'm going to go and I'm going to walk around the lake and I'm going to go down there. It's And it's got an up and down mountains and things around it. So it's going to be working out. So while I'm down there, I'm trading one time unit for working out physical body. I'm going to be listening to audio tapes. So I'm getting a second one and I'm getting my hobby time in. So I'm getting some uh, stress reduction, you know, getting some of that leisure time. So there's three activities I'll do with one hour. So I'm getting three hours back for that one hour, if that makes sense. And the other thing is just to leverage yourself through duplication. Duplication gives you your time back. Duplication through having multiple rental properties, multiple YouTube videos, multiple employees, multiple agents in your organization. So for example, I have 1,800 real estate agents that are out there where if they sell a house, I get paid on it. If they attract an agent to EXP and they sell a house, I get paid on it. And they're out there trading their time, building a business that I started, but now they're building a business with me. And that's another way to increase your time is to leverage yourself through other people's time, other people's money, and other people's technologies and systems. Thank you, Connor. And that's what we're doing here. We're leveraging off of each other and we're going to create content and do, we're going to use it for multiple things. Like a little bit later, one of the things I'm going to ask you is, you know, I want to quote around marketing. I'm going to put you inside of my book and we're going to share that content, you know, so. Uh, now we, I have two personal questions for you. Then I'm going to ask you to give a quote around marketing. Then we're going to like close it out. So the personal questions that we have, I'm going to pick two. I'm going to try to stump you. Let's see. So the first question I have is what do people misunderstand about you most? About me? Yes. Um, I think probably th people think I'm way more intense than I think I am. And, um, you know, I, people tell me I'm intense and I'm like, I don't think I'm intense. Uh, I just want to win and I want people to have a good life. And, um, you know, a lot of times, like I think people that deal with busy people, successful people, they're, they're coming from their own perception of, you know, what someone else is thinking in their mind. And so I, I'm quick to, I'm short with my words and quick to make statements because I don't, I don't have time. Talk about time again. I don't have time to have conversations with everybody. So like when people will send me like a two paragraph message, I'll send like two, two words back or one sentence back. And sometimes it comes across, I guess, as, you know, being short or, you know, maybe not, I don't know. Sometimes like as a leader, you know, people, I think, take it in a way that it's not always meant to be, but I'm just moving quick and I've got so many things going on. I just don't have like when people want me to hop on a call for an hour and just consult them. I'm like, guys, you don't understand, you know, like I literally, I get hundreds of text messages a day and emails all over the place. Right. So I think, you know, as leaders grow, including myself, uh, sometimes people looking in from afar or perceiving who that person is or what they or how they got to where they got to or who they are as a person and they never get to actually spend enough time with that person and so like I, I get all these different wide-ranging you know perceptions of who I am and what I do and, and as a person I guess and so and it's all based off from these people like they don't know me that well so all their relationship with me is in their mind of what they perceive someone like me to be, because I'd never have like real conversations. But I, that's one of the things that I think I deal with and a lot of people deal with is I just, I wish people would know that I'm approachable, like in our organization, I have people that like never reach up because somehow, I guess, 
I'm on YouTube or I have built a big organization that they think that maybe I think that I'm better than them or something like that. And I'm not, I'm just, just like everybody else. I just wanted a better life and I worked really hard and, you know, and, and, and I want to help everybody I can. I just don't have all the time in the world to do so. But I think a lot of people don't want to reach up to me because they think either I'm not going to respond to them or they, uh, they think, or I'll think that my time is, you know, too valuable to not help them. And it's just not the case. Like I'm willing to help anybody and everybody and I'm pretty cool. And I try to help as many people as I can. I'm not this like intense business owner that I feel like some people have thought. Yeah. I, I identify with that because I get the same thing projected upon me and it's the same thing that you said. I just want to help people and I help them win. Sometimes it's got to be short to sweet to the point i can't just spend an hour on the phone with you talking about nothing i got things going and it doesn't help you either if i just spend an hour like talking about nothing so i really appreciate that and yes your connor is very approachable anytime i need something i reach out he gets back to me like uh, within reason it's, it just gotta it just can't be wasting time like we're doing something here that's productive that's going to add to other people's lives they're going to add value to our lives he, he responded he's approachable so next question i have for you is very it's, it's a little bit similar to what we just what I just asked about but this one is uh it's what's an insult with quotes that you've received that you're proud of an insult <clears throat> yes um hmm I don't know I'm pretty introverted I, I don't really are I don't you really talk to, yeah I mean like uh, yeah I'm really introverted like people okay. don't know that like even though I'm on YouTube all over the place like I pretty much live in my little dungeon here and work and sit in my room by myself and then watch TV by myself in the middle of the night. And then, um, you know, I think probably like, um, just probably like a lot of doubting people, you know, like, for example, like when I started to play online poker back in the day, everybody around me was like, you can't 